The title of my sermon this evening is Why True Believers Can Always Rejoice. And let me put some background to this. I don't know how many of you know, but this past fall and most of the winter, my son Jonathan has had great physical problems. And my wife and I, we've lost a child because of great physical problems that that boy had. And my wife and I, and I'm including her because it's the way it was, it was the two of us, were seeing a bear and not seeing the Lord. And if you don't understand that statement, it means we were seeing trouble and we were forgetting all about the Lord. And I don't think that with the folks here that you've ever probably you've been in that same situation where things were really tough and you focused on the situation. And the Lord got to hold my heart concerning my son Jonathan. I love my son. I'm very thankful for my son. But God is still on the throne. And he is still God's servant. And what God does with his servants is God's choosing. Not necessarily a daddy's choosing. And if you don't understand that, see me after church tonight and I'll try to explain it a little more detail. But, with that said, I would like to go to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an, in, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye now see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for those that are here tonight.
And Heavenly Father, help me to be a blessing to them, be an encouragement to them. Lord, I know that sometimes the trials of being a parent are very difficult. And I know sometimes, Lord, the trials that you put others that are not parents through are very difficult. And Lord, we know from your word that we're to glorify you in all that is done. But also, Lord, we know that we're to enjoy you. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a song by Ron Hamilton called Rejoice in the Lord. It was written in a very difficult time for Ron Hamilton. He'd been diagnosed with eye cancer. And after coming out of surgery, Ron was told that he had lost his left eye. The song Rejoice in the Lord is a result of that trial in Ron's life. I don't know how many of you know that song or how many of you know that it's been a blessing to you. The title of my sermon tonight is Why True Believers Can Always Rejoice in the Lord Even When Life Seems to Be Throwing Some Very Hard and Difficult Situations at Us. If you haven't been rejoicing lately, I want to show you this afternoon why you can always rejoice, no matter what the situation may be. Sometimes we have to rejoice in the midst of tears, but we can rejoice in the midst of tears. I would like to challenge you to shift your focus away from the problems and circumstances in your life as we looked at this morning, and place it on Christ in what Christ has done. Maybe the first thing we need to do is look at what rejoicing is. But maybe even the first step before that would be what rejoicing is not. What is rejoicing? What rejoicing is not. It's not happiness. Happiness is the things that happen to us in this life. Maybe you want a car and you just got a new car. Or maybe an iPhone or a computer or a hundred ever different things. You just got something in it and it satisfies the flesh so greatly. And you're so happy. That's happenings. That's happiness. That's not joy. Happiness fulfills some part of the lust of the flesh. That's what happiness is. Rejoicing and happiness are two different things. They're two different focus. Happiness is focused on what you or one of your loved ones may have gotten. Well, rejoicing is on the Lord and what He has done for you, the peace and the confidence. So what is rejoicing? Well, rejoicing is is the Lord's Rejoicing in the Lord is an attitude of contentment, peace, 
that transcends circumstances. Let me give you a section to go to, Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we see the Apostle Paul in jail. Now, we were talking around the table this afternoon about men that have worked in the prison system and had some of the heartaches they have and whatnot. But let's look at Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse number 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them in the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Let me pause right there for just a moment. They've been beaten. They've been thrown into the inner jail. And their feet are in stocks, which means their feet are straight out like this and they're sitting on hard, cold stone. This is what they're experienced. Their back is burning, no doubt, from the stripes that have been laid on them. Physically, they are very uncomfortable. But notice, but notice what verse 25 says. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They're hurting physically. But they're not focused on what their physical problem is. They're focused on God. And they can sing His praises even at midnight. (coughs) Excuse me. Folks, do you see what I'm trying to get across to you? Is that The focus was on God and praise came out of their mouth. Did that make their backs quit hurting? No. Did that make their legs and and feet quit hurting from the stocks? No. Did it make it any more comfortable? No. But their hearts were rejoicing. Even in the midst of some very difficult situation. When your focus is off you and your circumstances and on the Lord, it is easier to rejoice in the Lord. When you focus on yourself and your circumstances, it is almost impossible to rejoice. Because things can always get better. You can always think, well, maybe Dad goes out and buys you uh, a 2005 uh, Geo Metro. And you say, wow, that's really good, Dad, thanks. And then you see the next guy, he's got a 2022 Mustang. You know, so you, then you, you're miserable. Why? Because you're comparing them, things among yourselves. If your focus is on Christ, and that's what we're going to look at tonight, we'll rejoice. We'll praise the Lord regardless of what our circumstances may be. Well, we read part of this verse, so we're going to look at it again tonight. We read some of this in our Bible reading this evening, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to see here 
who we're to rejoice in. We're going to see how often to rejoice. And we're going to see what rejoicing does for us. Number one, who we are to rejoice in. Philippians 4.4 Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. That's where you need to be rejoicing. That's where I need to be rejoicing. In the Lord. First Thessalonians. Let's turn over there. First Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 16. It gives us the duration of our rejoicing. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. So, even when things are seem like falling apart, rejoice. Rejoice in what the Lord, who the Lord is, and what the Lord has done. And we're going to look at some of that in just a moment. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Rejoicing the Lord strengthens us to keep on keeping on. It strengthens us to rejoice and more and more. It strengthens us to keep going. <coughs> How is your rejoicing? How are we to rejoice? Well, let's go over to back to First Peter chapter one. <coughs> And verse number 6. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. In verse 6, we see that this should be the normal attitude of the Christian. We should be rejoicing. There's a, a Christian man that I haven't seen in a long, long time. And if you asked him how he was... He would say, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. Sometimes the circumstances of his life were not so pleasant. Excuse me. This should be the attitude of rejoicing regardless of the circumstances. At Armour, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, <clears throat> a lady at Armour lost her child. She was 20 weeks pregnant and she lost the child. <coughs> <coughs> Now this couple, a very faithful couple, did they shed tears? Absolutely. My wife and I, we talked to them. We'd say, how are you doing? And they would say, the Lord's still good. We may not understand why the Lord did this. But we're still praising the Lord. That's a very difficult time when a couple loses an unborn child 
but they were still rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing. Why should we rejoice? What can we rejoice in the Lord about? Well, I got a list of several things here. Surely that is not all of the things, but it's certainly a list. First of all, we can see that we are to rejoice because of the mercies of God. Let's go back to Titus. We were there this morning. Let's go to Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. It says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We can rejoice in the abundant mercies of God. We know that the mercies of God are for everlasting. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, it says over and over again, The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Aren't you glad that the mercies of the Lord endures forever? Aren't you glad there doesn't come a time the Lord says, Well, at midnight tonight, all mercies stop. Oh, we'd be in trouble, folks. We'd be in terrible trouble. But the mercies of God endure forever. We can rejoice. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us. We can rejoice in the mercies of God. I don't know how many of you know the book of Lamentation where it talks about that that the mercies of God are new every morning. Do you know the background to the book of Lamentations? Jeremiah was not, had no outward reasons to be a, a rejoicing person. In fact, they call him the weeping prophet. He had many difficult situations in his life. One of the things he suffered was he was put in a a pit full of water and mire and muck and, and that's where they kept him away in prison, so to speak. And yet, he understood and he, the mercies of God and he praised the Lord for His mercy. Let's praise the Lord for His mercy. Over and over again, the mercies of the Lord endure forever. We are seeing in the book of Psalms and in other places. Number two, rejoice because we have a lively hope. Let's look at Philipp, uh, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. Some of you may even know this precious verse. And I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And if we read down through the rest of this chapter, we see that the Lord, about the Lord's second coming. Do you believe the Lord is coming again? Oh, folks, 
you all should say, yes, he's coming. Yes, he's coming. I don't know when, but he's coming. And that should cause us to rejoice. That here was a man that died on the cross and was buried and rose again and now he's coming back. Amen. That is something to rejoice in. So we can receive... (coughs) 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 We can rejoice in His abundant mercy. We can rejoice because of a lively hope that he's coming again. But we can also rejoice in the resurrection. Hope in the New Testament is no dead hope. It's a lively hope. And we looked at that this morning. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that that individual was dead and buried and three days later arose, was alive, and is ever alive again? Folks, that should give us hope and that should give us rejoicing in our hearts. He's alive. And death has no more power over him. There's an old song, and I'd certainly like to sing it for you, but I will pass. It says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. That should give us great reason to rejoice because He's alive. But you know something? We can also see that he's not only alive, but just a side note here, he hears our prayers. Sometimes he answers our prayers other than the way we want them answered, but he hears our prayers. We also have a reason to rejoice because there's an inheritance. First Peter, going back to First Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We can rejoice because there's an inheritance in heaven reserved for those that know Christ. Have you been born again? Do you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Then you've got an inheritance in heaven And notice the four things that are given in this verse that cannot happen to that inheritance. Number one, it's incorruptible. This adds the idea of rust. I've got a little 2012 Honda Fit out there. It was in Georgia most of its life. They brought it up here, I bought it. But it's got two little spots of rust on it. Do you know what that means? That part of the metal is deteriorating. And if I don't treat those parts, and it goes on for years, maybe several years, or maybe a lot of years, one day it's going to all fall apart. That's rust. That's incorruptible. 
my inheritance, your inheritance, if you know Christ, is incorruptible. It will never deteriorate. It's going to be just as fresh and new today as it was a thousand years ago, as it will be in ten thousand years from now. Notice the second thing. Undefiled. Undefiled means to be stained or with color or smeared with mud. It reminds me of a story of my son. My wife had just got him all... He was about three, maybe four years old, somewhere in that area. And my wife had just got him ready for church. And she sat him down on the couch and says, I need to get dressed. And she's in there taking care of her necessary items. And he decides he's going to go outside and play. And it had rained and he found a mud puddle. And this four-year-old boy decided, now's a good time to play in a mud puddle. Well, I don't know if you've ever had a boy play in a mud puddle. You've never done that, have you? Okay, I, I, I can believe that. Guess what? He had mud from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet and all in between. Do you remember that? That he was stained. He was stained with dirt. And that's what this undefiled means. Stained with dirt. Let me apply it this way. You and I as God's children, we've been washed by the blood of Christ. And it washes all of our sin away. Our righteousness is Christ's righteousness. Our own righteousness is as filthy rags. But Christ's righteousness is pure and white. Can I also say about that situation? My wife was not a happy camper. And maybe you understand that. Your children never do anything like that. So, so... Talk to my wife. She'll explain that. Undefiled. Our inheritance, folks, is undefiled. It's not stained with this world. It's not stained with sin. It's not stained from man's hands. It's pure. It's undefiled. Notice the third thing that was there. Fadeth not away. This has the idea of being stolen. Ever had anything stolen? Yeah, I'm sure each one of us have from time to time. It's not pleasant to have things stolen. But you know what the Bible says? Thieves cannot get into heaven and steal it. It's preserved there by God Almighty. The one who says, it's here, it's going to remain here, and nobody can take it. So, we see that it is incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, and reserved for you in heaven. Reserved. Kept. Kept. Think about that, folks. When your time comes and they lay you down in the grave 
and you are instantly transported to heaven above, there's going to be an inheritance there. And nobody's going to be able to steal it, mar it, defile it, or anything else. It's going to be there. Should that not give us something to rejoice about? Should we not rejoice that our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life and that there's an inheritance reserved for us in heaven? We should be rejoicing. Not looking at the circumstances of this life, but looking at what's above. Rejoice because we are kept by His power. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Notice what it says here. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What a wonderful statement about eternal security. God is the one that keeps you. God is the one that saved you. God is the one that preserves you. Folks, if we had to keep our own salvation, we'd fail most miserably. As one old preacher put it, we'd probably lose it 30 seconds after we got it. But my dear friends, it's not what we do that keeps our salvation. It's what God has done. What God has done. We ought to rejoice in that. Let me give you an example. Years ago, I was working part-time as a, at a hardware store. And the owner of the store was a Christian man. His father also worked at the, this Christian man's father, who was also a Christian, worked at the same store. And he comes over to me one day and he says, my boss's name was Tim, the owner, and he says, Tim wants to see you for your yearly evaluation. I said, okay. And he said to me, he says, aren't you afraid? I said, why should I be afraid? I said, he can't take away my salvation. And he can't. Oh, he could have fired me if he had wanted to. But I have nothing to fear. Because God Almighty has got everything under control. I may look like chaos to me. But God has everything under control and we can rejoice in that. Some may say to me, Brother, you don't know the circumstances that I'm going through. I may not understand the circumstances you go through, but God Almighty does. And He knows the difficulty. Which brings me back to the beginning of what I said when the Lord got a hold of my heart about Jonathan's physical health, it still grieved my soul that he was having to go through that. But I rejoiced in the Lord. Do you see the difference? I hope you do. Sometimes, folks, life is very difficult. And I'm surely not trying to make life hardships 
to be minimized, but I want you to know that we have much to rejoice in, and that rejoicing is always there for us to rejoice in. I started this evening's sermon about a song that Ron Hamilton wrote. I'd like to close this evening's sermon with another song that was written by a man going through great difficulty. H.G. Spatford wrote, It is well with my soul. And that conjures up emotion in Margaret's and my heart. Many people do not know that they lost a total of five children. They had lost their son some years before the boating accident. They lost their son to scarlet fever. And yet, God gave him grace to write that song, It Is Well With My Soul. I don't know how many of you know that song. Do you know that song, It Is Well With My Soul? Okay. Folks, do you think those folks shed tears? Oh, absolutely they shed tears. Did they rejoice in the Lord their Savior? I firmly believe they did. I think that song proves it. Yes, there may have been tears, but there was rejoicing. Dear folks, whatever life throws at you, cry if you must, but rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let's sing our last song, shall we?